Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. We hope you're doing well wherever in the world you are and are engaging in the times we are. Now that we have started putting on messages that have gone back to the original intent of why we started this, to spread some hope and give some strategy, I'm going to try to engage with you in a four or a five-part message so that we can still keep each missive to under 15 minutes. Most recently, I was asked to, and then I managed to create the outline and uh, put together some of the thoughts that we modularly promoted with you as an audience over the course of the last couple of years. But this one is titled Losing the Culture War, the Character Assault and the Christian Answer. Losing the Culture War, the Character Assault and the Christian Answer. I've talked about some of these things before, but I'm going to give you a continuity. So if you're trying to invite some friends, this may be a good launching point. Hopefully we'll have about four or five messages in this losing the culture war. Each of them will be chock full of information. There'll be a continuity. There'll be about a foundation, a definition, so to speak. So let's begin at the beginning and talk about where this war was lost. And we're going to call this episode The Deviation the deviation. Again, the broader title is Losing the Culture War, the Character Assault, and the Christian Answer. Within it, the first step is the deviation. I'm going to present to you four characters. Uh, Again, we have talked about them, but I want you to now look at it in the totality of where we are as a people. Going back to the origins of this whole post-truth nonsense that came on the heels of postmodernism, and how people have created their own morality. And as a result, culture is a haphazard putting together of pieces like a jigsaw puzzle. And anything that fits sticks. Anything that does not fit is jettisoned, even though it may be the right piece for the puzzle. So in the deviation, the first two characters I'm going to introduce to you are Huxley and Orwell. Aldous Huxley, of course, famously wrote Brave New World and Brave New World Revisited. He wrote this around circa 1933. In 1948, his student from Eton, George Orwell, wrote 1984. George Orwell, of course, is more famously known for that in animal form. Both of these uh, predicted a world, a future that would be different from the one they existed in. Uh, And they are called, for lack of a better term, a dystopian view, which means there is a jaded mindset about the future we're going to live in. Now, hold on to that bookend of Huxley and Orwell at one end, and towards the end of this podcast, we'll introduce you to Marshall McLuhan, a Canadian philosopher who famously coined the term, the medium is the message, and Neil Postman, who amalgamated all three of them into his seminal work, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Now, the reason I call these four as the launching points of the deviation is when you look at what they predicted. I'm not going to talk about the outcomes as much in this particular episode because the outcomes were chillingly predicted by them. Huxley, who eventually tried to become a playwright and at the end of his life flirted with pantheism, 
Incidentally, died in 1963 on the same day that John F. Kennedy and C.S. Lewis died. So if you want to read another book that will give you an understanding of where we are as a people, how different people influenced our society in terms of what they said, how they said it, when they said it, and why they said it, read a book called Between Heaven and Hell, authored by the great Peter Kreeft of Boston University. Peter Kreeft in Between Heaven and Hell talked about Huxley, Kennedy, and Lewis, dying on the same day in 1963, one was a pantheist, one was a humanist, even though he was raised Catholic, and the other was a deist who had given us some of the great apologetic arguments of our time. So Between Heaven and Hell is a conversation about three people who had different worldviews while they lived, talking about the afterlife after they had died, and each makes an argument for what they believed and where they thought they'd end up. The uh, reason I mentioned that is Huxley was one of the characters in that, and that led me down this path of asking myself why Huxley was important in the history of time. When I reread, uh, I read Brave New World as a child uh, during my teenage rebellious years uh, when I was trying to create my own existing dystopia of being a rebel without a cause. I remember in those days uh, being fascinated with the revolutionaries like uh, uh, Che Guevara and all of these people, and even though I grew up in a republican on a a democracy a republic in India, one of the world's largest uh, democracies in terms of a populace, I uh, was disenchanted with where I was. I was anti-establishment, and as a result of that, I uh, used to wear uh, an army shirt uh, tailored like a revolutionary living in the jungle somewhere. Even though I lived in a nice house that overlooked the ocean. I only bring that so that those of you who are not acquainted with my past get a glimpse into a rebel without a cause and why I'm so adamant about people recognizing our surroundings and what is fed to us. In those days, in the early days of college, the the initial indoctrination of Marxism was beginning. The academy was historically always left. The, that's why every great revolution that has taken place uh, from the revolutions in China and Hong Kong to the ones that take place on the streets of Sri Lanka almost always begin with a disenchanted youth group, a group that is struggling to create some semblance of reality for themselves, suddenly find unemployment on the rise, pricing indexes going through the roof, the inability to afford anything. And as a result, the only thing you can truly af afford is an ideology. And the only way to get that ideology is hang out with other people who believe someone else is the cause of your problem. So let's introduce Huxley's prediction of a world where he said we're going to arrive in a world where people will be too entertained to read. The government will control uh, the reading component by making you disenchanted in wanting information because they'll inundate you with garbage. They'll make you like their social services that they provide, which means if you like transportation, they will be the authors of transportation. But they'll make you hate the entertainment that is part of the culture. And as a result, they will program you because they are the ones who feed you with what you need, take you to where you need to go, make you allow, allow you to do what you want to do in a way they want you to do it. Huxley's three motifs in this deviation were stability, identity, and community. Fast forward to 2022, and when you look at the politics of the movement and the disenchantment of the youth, the same three things become their rally cry, but they don't know what they are arguing for because in a majority of cases, some of these people can't spell these big words. Uh, what do we want? Stability. When do we want it now? Makes a really nice chant. 
what do we fight for identity? When do we fight for it now? We want community. We want it now. What means they're saying is we want all these things. We want stability, identity, and community, but we want it now. As a result, their expectation is that the world will radically change, and if it doesn't, we're going to burn it down. Now, Huxley's prediction was partially true. His student Orwell had a dystopia of a different kind where his gloom and doom was quite dark, and he says, not, not, we're going to have totalitarianism and we'll be told what to read. The three moods he presented were war will be peace, freedom will be slavery, and ignorance will be strength. All three have come to pass. We are freer than at any time in human history with the most regulations enslaving people. This morning I was listening to a YouTube clip on a talk that Eric Metaxas, who has given us some of the great uh, textual references of heroes past and thoughts present uh, by his work in uh, Amazing Grace on William Wilberforce or Martin Luther or uh, uh, Pastor Prophet Martyr Spy chronicling the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Miracles or whatever it is. But his latest book is a must read. It's called Is Atheism Dead? And it picks up with something that... Uh, gripped his imagination about how we are truly in a place <clears throat> where ignorance is strength. So Orwell's three moods are war will be peace, freedom will be slavery, and ignorance will be strength. It's almost as if you don't have to go very far if you're a scroll, scroller on your small device or if you're a reader on a big book or a tome or a actual physical book, whatever it is, whether you're reading the newspaper or watching the news, you don't have to go very far before you see ignorance on such display and the ignorance packaged in collectivity as if it is somehow smart. Um, there are a couple of shows, and I don't want to give credence by naming them, but there's a show that has run for about 20 years, and it's got a bunch of women on there. And uh, my wife is one of the smartest people I know, so don't take this in a way you don't want to take it. But it's obviously, they gang up on just about anybody, but they are bitter, they're miserable, uh, they're unhappy, and just about anything that does not fit their narrative is jettisoned with a venom that is almost laughable. Initially, it used to be cringe, then it was wondering, do you really believe that? And now I just look at it as saying that, you know, to be that miserable and that unhappy and wake up every day with that amount of ignorance has got to be a hard way to live. And then I look at the amount of money they make to spout those opinions and I think, wow, there is the answer. You cannot go through life and being elected to Congress or whatever it is, you cannot go through life actually believing some of the garbage that we hear. But this was Orwell's prediction. We're going to get to that point where war will be peace. Uh, greatest peacetime, but most number of places that can erupt into a full-blown civil war. Uh, just look at our inner city neighborhoods. One bad judgment, one bad action, one bad activation, and suddenly they're looting stores, burning down buildings, and then uh, enclosing entire areas and calling it a chaz zone or whatever that nonsense is. But if you read Orwell's 1984, he actually talks about a ministry of truth uh, that is hidden up on a hill amidst uh, all this darkness, and then there's barbed wire around it, and Seattle almost got their ministry of truth. Why go to Seattle or times past? Look at a ministry of truth or ministry of disinformation that was proposed in our times by somebody whose agenda was actually quite evidentially radical. Should we have information that is not in uh, that is accurate? Absolutely. 
Should we try to find out if there's inaccuracy? Well, yeah, inaccuracy and information and freedom of speech go hand in hand. My mentor, Mr. Ziegler, used to say, if two people agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. So there is always going to be dissent. But you cannot have dissent one way, which is what this freedom will be slavery and ignorance will be strength does paint. So when you look at the deviation, and I brought you Huxley's comments from the early 30s and Orwell's comments from 1948, when he wrote the book 1984, propelled you into the future and said that all of these guys' moods, whether you predict in a world where we are too entertained to read or whether you predict a world whether we are too controlled to read, we have arrived there because basically most people do not want to read for themselves. They want to be fed the talking points and if you just listen to the evening news, you'll get that. If a word insurrection is used, that word insurrection is used by everybody because, you know, if you remember the great George Costanza of Seinfeld fame, when uh, Jerry gets ready to take a lie detector test, George gives him the ultimate bit of information when he says, remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. And that's almost where we are. If they believe it, it's no longer a lie. Bill Maher uh, recently had a commentary when he talked about the recent Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade and talked about the people who would be radically or people who would be marginalized along with this issue of abortion no longer being offered as a federal option, but something that was relegated back to the states. And uh, because certain states already said we're going to make it illegal, and some states said we're going to pay if you want to come here and have it, but it reduced the option in the way you could get it. That doesn't mean you don't, you can't get it, but it reduced the option. And yeah, with that backdrop, Bill Maher went through a litany of different people who would be affected. And he was startled. He said, I thought women would be affected, but apparently it marginalizes everybody except the person who can have a child. But this is where we are of ignorance will be strength. That whole concept of identity that Huxley talked about and the ignorance will be strength that Huxley talked, uh, that Orwell talked about is where we are. It's, uh, you know, women, what a person capable of giving birth. Uh, this is, we'll talk about this later on when we talk about the issue of vocabulary. So moving really fast in this deviation component, let me introduce you to the third character. His name was Marshall McLuhan and a Canadian uh, philosopher. He said, all our foolishness or all our assumptions have outlived their usefulness or their uselessness. He famously coined the term, the medium is the message. Now using these three people, Neil Postman's work was amusing ourselves to death. And he wrote this book in 1985 and then later on, I think, re-released in the year 2000. But in amusing ourselves to that, he pays a lot of time and attention to the word medium being the message, how this information is given to you. So let's recap real quick for the sake of where we are today. In Losing the Culture War, the Character Assault, the Deviation. This is part one. So Huxley says we need stability, identity, and community. Orwell says we all will be peace, freedom will be slavery, ignorance will be strength. Marshall McLuhan says the medium is the message. And Neil Postman says when 1985 came on, we were now a good number of years removed from when these predictions were made and these identities were revealed. So let us ask ourselves, are we in a Huxleyan world where uh, we're too entertained to read or are we in an Orwellian world where we are controlled what to read? And Neil Postman says, I believe we are in a Huxley world because we are amusing ourselves to death. And he used Marshall McLuhan's, the medium is the message. 
So today, as you progress through your day and you listen to talk radio, if you have talk radio where you are, or you watch the evening television news and you decide which channel you want to watch because they hide or side with your type of politics, ask yourself, is the medium from which you receive the information more important than the message that you receive? Are you willing to scroll and scour uh, fish tapes uh, from years ago to find truth? Or are you happy to see what pops up as some kind of a sidebar with a little bit of clickbait that takes you down a path where you begin to ask yourself, what happened to these celebrities or uh, look at these celebrity houses? And from the misery and mire that is our lives, we click on that because we want a little bit of deviation from the norm. Does that deviation take you down the path of entertainment? Does it take you down the path of information? Does it take you down the path of fear? Does it take you down the path of fright? This is entirely up to you. If freedom of speech is freedom of speech, then where you get it should be your prerogative. How you receive it should be your desire. So in losing the culture war, the first thing was we come to this foundation where the world is predicted and people participate in those predictions. When we come back at the next one, we will talk about uh, the subject of the distortion and how vocabulary changed and justice was uh, replaced and moral laws were abdicated. And so this will be an anthology that will almost take you through history, but hopefully it'll beef you up and allow you to have arguments that are sound for why you believe what you believe. And I'm venturing to guess that a majority of people who follow me do understand that my faith comes front and center and that's why I call this Losing the Culture War, the Character Assault, and the Christian Answer. Until next time, good luck and God bless. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.